Chapter 41 of The Spanish Brothers by Deborah Alcock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 41 More About the Penitent. I thus thy mother looked, with such a sad yet half triumphant smile, all radiant with deep meaning. Hemans. A slight incident that occurred the following morning partially broke down the barrier of reserve between the two prisoners. After his early devotions, the penitent laid aside his mantle, took up a besom made of long slips of cane, and proceeded with great deliberation and gravity to sweep out the room. The contrast that his stately figure, his noble air, and the dignity of all his movements offered to the menial occupation in which he was engaged was far too pathetic to be ludicrous. Carlos could not but think that he wielded the lowly implement as if it were a chamberlain's staff of office, or a grand marshal's baton. He himself was well accustomed to such tasks, for every prisoner of the Santa Casa, no matter what his rank might be, was his own servant, and it spoke much for the revolution that had taken place in his ideas and feelings that though taught to look on all servile occupations as ineffably degrading, he had never associated a thought of degradation with anything laid upon him to do or to suffer as a prisoner of Christ. And yet he could not endure to see his aged and stately fellow-prisoner thus occupied, he rose immediately and earnestly entreated to be allowed to relieve him of the task pleading that all such duties ought to devolve on him as the younger at first the penitent resisted saying that it was part of his penance but when carlos continued to urge the point he yielded perhaps the more readily because his will like his other faculties was weakened for want of exercise then with more apparent interest than he had shown in any of his previous proceedings he watched the rather slow and difficult movements of his young companion you are lame senor he said a little abruptly when carlos having finished his work sat down to rest from the pulley carlos answered quietly and then his face beamed with a sudden smile for the secret of the lord was with him and he tasted the sweet strange joy that springs out of suffering born for him that look was the wire that drew an electric flash of memory from the clouds that veiled the old man's soul what that sudden flash revealed was a castle gate at which stood a stately yet slender form robed in silk in the fair young face tears and smiles were contending but a smile won the victory as a little child was held up and made to kiss a baby hand in farewell to its father in a moment all was gone only a vague trouble and uneasiness remained accompanied by that strange sense of having seen or felt just the same thing before with which we are most of us familiar accustomed to solitude the penitent spoke aloud perchance unconsciously why did they bring you here he said in a half fretful tone you heard me i have done very well alone all these years i am sorry to incommode you senor returned carlos but i did not come here of my own will neither unhappily can i go i am a prisoner like yourself but unlike you i am a prisoner under sentence of death for several minutes the penitent did not answer then he rose and taking a step or two towards the place where carlos sat gravely extended his hand i fear i have spoken 
uncourteously he said so many years have passed since i have conversed with my fellows that i have well nigh forgotten how i ought to address them do me the favor senor and my brother to grant me your pardon carlos warmly assured him no offence had been given and taking the offered hand he pressed it reverently to his lips from that moment he loved his fellow-prisoner in his heart there was an interval of silence then the penitent of his own accord resumed the conversation did i hear you say you are under sentence of death he asked i am so actually though not formally carlos replied in the language of the holy office i am a professed impenitent heretic and you so young to be a heretic no i meant so young to die do i look young even yet i should not have thought it to me the last two years seem like a long lifetime have you been two years then in prison poor boy yet i have been here ten fifteen twenty years i cannot tell how many i have lost the account of them carlos sighed and such a life was before him should he be weak enough to surrender his hope he said do you really think senor that these long years of lonely suffering are less hard to bear than a speedy though violent death i do not think it matters as to that was the penitent's not very apposite reply in fact his mind was not capable at the time of dealing with such a question so he turned from it instinctively but in the meantime he was remembering every moment more and more clearly that a duty had been laid upon him by the authority to which his soul held itself in absolute subjection and that duty had reference to his fellow-prisoner i am commanded he said at last to counsel you to seek the salvation of your soul by returning to the bosom of the one true catholic an apostolic church out of which there is no peace and no salvation carlos saw that he spoke by rote that his words echoed the thought of another not his own it seemed to him under the circumstances scarcely generous to argue he spread to put forth his mental powers against the aged and broken man as juan in like case would have spared to use his strong right arm after a moment's thought he replied may i ask of your courtesy senor and my father to bear with me for a little while that i may frankly disclose to you my real belief appeal could never be made in vain to that penitent's courtesy no heresy that could have been proposed would have shocked him half so much as the supposition that one castilian gentleman could be uncourteous to another upon any account do me the favor to state your opinions senor he responded with a bow and i will honor myself by giving them my best attention carlos was little used to language such as this it induced him to speak his mind more freely than he had been able to do for the last two years but mindful of his experience with old father bernardo at san isodro he did not speak of doctrines he spoke of a person in words simple enough for a child to understand but with a heart glowing with faith and love he told of what he was when he walked on earth 
of what he is at the right hand of the father of what he has done and is doing still for every soul that trusts him certainly the faded eye brightened and something like a look of interest began to dawn in the mournfully still and passive countenance for a time carlos was aware that his listener followed every word and he spoke slowly on purpose to allow him so to do but then there came a change the listening look passed out of the eyes and yet they did not wander once from the speaker's face the expression of the whole countenance was gradually altered from one of rather painful attention to the dreamy look of a man who hears sweet music and gives free course to the emotions it is calculated to awaken in truth the voice of carlos was sweet music to his fellow-captive's ear and he would willingly have sat thus for ever gazing at him and enjoying it carlos thought that if this was the reverence's idea of a satisfactory penitent they were not difficult to satisfy and he marvelled increasingly that so astute a man as the dominican prior should have put the task of his conversion into such hands for the piety so lauded in the penitent appeared to him mere passiveness the submission of a soul out of which all resisting forces had been crushed it is only life that resists he thought the dead they can move whithersoever they will intolerance always sets a premium on mental stagnation nay it actually produces it it makes a desert and calls it peace and what the inquisition did for the penitent that it has done also for the penitent's fair fatherland was a resurrection of dead and buried faculties possible for him is such a resurrection possible for it and yet in spite of the deadness of heart and brain which he doubted not was the result of cruel suffering carlos loved his fellow-prisoner every hour more and more he could not tell why he only knew that his soul was knit to his when carlos for fear of fatiguing him brought his explanations to a close both relapsed into silence and the remainder of the day passed without much further conversation but with a constant interchange of little kindnesses and courtesies the first sight that greeted the eyes of carlos when he awoke the next morning was that of the penitent kneeling before the pictured madonna his lips motionless his hands crossed on his breast and his face far more earnest with feeling it might be thought with devotion than he had ever seen it yet carlos was moved but saddened it grieved him sore that his aged fellow-prisoner should pour out the last costly libation of love and trust left in his desolated heart before the shrine of that which was no god and a great longing awoke within him to lead back this weary and heavy-laden one to the only being who could give him true rest if indeed he is one of god's chosen of his loved and redeemed ones he will be led back thought carlos who had spent the past two years in thinking out many things for himself certain aspects of truth which may be either strong cordials or rank poisons as they are used had grown gradually clear to him opposed to the dominican prior upon most subjects he was at one with him upon that of predestination for he had need to be assured when the great water floods prevailed that the chain which kept him from drifting away with them was a strong one and therefore he had followed it up link by link until he came at last to that eternal purpose of god in which it was fast anchored since the day that he first learned it he had lived in the light of that great centre truth 
I have loved thee. Thee individually. But as he lay in the gloomy prison, sentenced to die, something more was revealed to him. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. The value of this truth, to him, as to others, lay in the double aspect of that word, everlasting. Its look forward to the boundless future, as well as backward on the mysterious past. The one was a pledge and assurance of the other, and now he was taking to his heart the comfort it gave, for the penitent, as well as for himself. But it made him not less, but more anxious to be God's fellow-worker in bringing him back to the truth. In the meantime, however, he was quite mistaken as to the feelings with which the old man knelt before the picture of virgin and child. His heart was stirred by no mystic devotion to the Queen of Heaven, but by some very human feelings, which had long lain dormant, but which were now being gradually awakened there. He was thinking not of heaven, but of earth, and of earth's warm-beating joy and dole. And what attracted him to that spot was only the representation of womanhood and childhood, recalling, though far off and faintly, the fair young wife and babe from whom he had been cruelly torn years and years ago. A little later, as the two prisoners sat over the bread and fruit that formed their morning meal, the penitent began to speak more frankly than he had done before. I was quite afraid of you, senor, when you first came, he said. And perhaps I was not guiltless of the same feeling towards you, Carlos answered. It is no marvel companions in sorrow such as we are have great power either to help or to hurt one another. You may truly say that, returned the penitent. In fact, I once suffered so cruelly from the treachery of a fellow prisoner that it is not unnatural I should be suspicious. How was that, senor? It was very long ago, soon after my arrest, and yet not soon, for weary months of darkness and solitude, I cannot tell how many, I held out, I mean to say, I continued impenitent. Did you? asked Carlos with interest. I thought as much. Do not think ill of me, I entreat of you, senor said the penitent anxiously i am reconciled i have returned to the bosom of the true church and i belong to her i have confessed and received absolution i have even had the holy sacrament and if ill or in danger of death it is promised i shall receive su majestad at any time and I have uttered and detested all the heresies I learned from De Valero. From De Valero? Did you learn from him? The pale cheek of Carlos crimsoned for a moment, then grew paler than before. Tell me, senor, if I may ask it, how long have you been here? That is just what I cannot tell. The first year stand out clearly, but all the after years are like a dream to me. It was in that first year that the caitiff I spoke of Anon, who was imprisoned with me, you observe, senor, I had already asked for reconciliation. It was promised me. It was 
to perform penance, to be forgiven, to have my freedom. Pues, señor, I spoke to that man as I might to you, freely and from my heart. For I suppose him a gentleman. I dare to say that their reverences had dealt somewhat hardly with me on the like. Idle words, no doubt. Idle and wicked. God knows I have had time enough to repent them since. For that man, my fellow prisoner, he who knew what prison was, went forth straightway and delayed me to the lord's inquisitors for those idle words god in heaven forgive him and thus the door was shut upon me shut shut forever hide me hide me carlos heard but little of this speech he was gazing at him with eager kindling eyes were there left behind in the world any that it wrung your heart to be part from he asked in a trembling voice there were and since you came their looks have never ceased to haunt me why i know not my wife my child and the old man shaded his face while in his eyes long unused to tears there rose a mist like the cloud in form as a man's hand that foretold the approach of the beneficent rain which should refresh and soften the thirsty soil making all things young again senor said carlos trying to speak calmly and to keep down the wild tumultuous throbbing of his heart senora boon i entreat you tell me the name you bore amongst men it was a noble one i know true they promised to save it from disgrace but it was part of my penance not to utter it if possible to forget it yet this once i do not ask idly this once have pity on me and speak it pleaded carlos with intense tremulous earnestness your face and your voice move me strangely it seems to me that i could not deny you anything i am i ought to say I was Don Juan Álvarez de Santillano Simeñaya. Before the sentence was concluded, Carlos lay senseless at his feet. End of chapter 41